Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Douglas Carr. He is a digital transformation professional who speaks and consults internationally on the intersect of people, processes, and platforms to automate internal processes and transform customer experiences externally. He owns MarTech Zone and has several podcasts and is a regular writer on Forbes. Doug, thanks for being on the show. I am How are doing you? fantastic. How are you, my friend? Um, I'm good. I just kind of recapping. We, uh, Doug and I were in the green room. We were talking about home construction, <laughs> Corona, getting, getting everything, um, kind of together in the sense for this episode. But the first kind of thing we, I kind of want to do is like people, I think you probably noticed now I introduced Doug <laughs> as Douglas and then I just said, Doug, so I don't know if you want to go into it's the a, it's, it's, my, the it's one of my oldest geek stories. And that's that uh, Douglas Carr, when I started, you know, social media started and search engine optimization way back in the day, there was a there was two of us online. There was two Doug Cars, K-A-R-R, which is a little bit unique. And so um, this is really spooky, but I actually got a hold of the other Doug Carr, and he's a up-and-coming film producer. Now I think he's starting to get famous. Uh, but back then he was like going to NYU or something like that. And I literally called him on the phone and got a hold of him. And I said, hey, do you go by Douglas or Doug? And he was a little bit spooked out. And then I explained to him, I said, well, I'm trying to get a name for myself and I don't want us to get mixed up constantly and he kind of said well I'm I, I hate Douglas I'm always going to go by Doug and I said okay no problem and and so that's when I bought douglascar.com that's when I started everything online says Douglas and so all my friends call me Doug but but online everything is Douglas and and it's and it, and it's working he's he has his own if you look up Doug Carr you're going to see all his stuff if you look up Douglas Carr you'll see my stuff <laughs> oh that's funny oh my gosh I didn't know that yeah um, super geeky so oh man so Going into like now your online presence and everything, I know that you are part of Highbridge Consultants. Yep. You're still doing DK New Media and you run Martech Zone. So I think just with 2020, I think it's just uh, it's a huge facepalm moment, I think, <laughs> for a lot of people um, where it's kind of like they were expecting it to be a clear vision and it's become yeah. all blurry. And, you know, businesses have changed and kind of wanted to know what you're what you have seen from you know your two companies and your podcasts and that kind of stuff what kind of were the original sure. business models as well as your clients too and and what have you kind of seen change and what have you kind of seen change in a positive yeah. direction i feel i feel like um, if you're on the morning brew and that kind of stuff, they always mention like Brooks Brothers or right. other ones that have filed for bankruptcy what, what are what are the ones that actually are being actionable, what they do and, and, and being proactive or not even proactive, but being, yeah, no, no, you're, proactive you're, you're reactively. Well, I'll, I don't I'll know but... a little bit. I, I think some people might've thought that coronavirus and my, my change with companies probably happened at the same time, but it actually happened before I, with, uh, with DK new media, um, Jen, who was my business partner had started Sapphire strategy a few years ago and she's just crushing it. She's just, uh, she, she loves the agency life. I always, uh, loved public speaking and writing and then consulting, but I didn't exactly like being a full service agency. I always struggled kind of from a business leadership standpoint with that. And so, um, so I had made the, the effort, uh, a while back to get a couple of business partners and we started helping out enterprise clients in the Salesforce space. And I, we were all working with Salesforce partners and getting that work done. And then we, 
kind of got smart and said, why don't we just form our own company and really help these folks? And um, Salesforce is one of those ecosystems where um, if I was going to explain like a, let's say a HubSpot or active campaign or, or, or compared to a Salesforce, Salesforce is really an unlimited platform. Whereas HubSpot or uh, Pardot or active campaign or any of the other marketing automations are, are, really good, solid platforms to just jump into and start using. And so the difference is, are you going to build your own race car or are you going to buy a car and just drive it? And that's kind of the difference between the two. And so large companies that utilize Salesforce just needed extra attention on where their product vision and roadmap were going. And so uh, so we decided to launch Highbridge last year and then COVID hit, which was just wonderful when you're when you're uh, funding a startup and and getting off the ground. Uh, but it but it but to your point, it was a really good uh, kind of transitioning time, and and I'll say that it's actually working out well for us. And um, it, you know, when when I'm talking about digital transformation to people, I'm talking about two halves of of a coin. One side is internal automation. How are you helping people internally do a better job? Uh, manage data more effectively, helping them remove roadblocks, automating all of those pieces. And then externally, what kind of customer experience are you giving people and how are you improving that? And so with with Highbridge, what we saw before COVID was companies were really willing to invest heavily in customer experience. And they were they were kind of going down this road that they really wanted to expand how they were interacting and engaging with customers to try to pull them in more and provide more value and increase the value of those relationships. I would say when COVID hit, um, that extra funding, if you will, just disappeared, right? Revenues disappeared, uh, business decisions kind of halted. It wasn't that people stopped caring about the customer, but they really did have to look solidly at their business and say, where can we cut the fat in this business? Because we don't know what's going to happen in a week, two weeks, three months. And so I'd say that our transition with Highbridge was definitely, we went from how do we enhance the customer experience on most of our engagements to, uh uh-oh, we're going to have to cut off staff. We're going to have to automate more. We're going to have to integrate uh, more um, to to be a more efficient business. And so that's one transition that we definitely saw from a business side. Most of the work that we're doing right now is internally focused on these organizations. Um, and And I think from the good side of that is maybe we needed that, right? Maybe we needed a little bit of a kick in the butt that – because revenues were so good, because growth was so nice and everything else, that we got a little sloppy with our businesses. And it's not that we weren't making good decisions, but we weren't under that duress or pressure, you know, to find inefficiency. And I, and I love productivity issues. I absolutely just love getting into that stuff where, you know, if I if I found out what you were doing on a day-to-day basis and I saw repeat steps, I want to find a solution to fix those steps and and to to make it more efficient. And so the the good side of this, I think, is consumer behavior is absolutely transitioned, that people are more willing to pay online, to get delivery, to um, to use e-commerce to log into their mobile device and pay, uh, all of those pieces have transitioned. B2B is changing as well with that. And then and then on the business side, we're seeing that companies are finally um, 
most companies, I'd say, most companies that aren't in trouble right now uh, pivoted. And they said, how do we fix this? And a perfect example would be a restaurant. You know, a restaurant that didn't do anything when the lockdowns hit. Um, I think Yelp said 60% of their small restaurants are gone forever, close their doors. You know, and that points to what happened to the other 40%. The other 40% may still be in trouble because of, of lockdowns and COVID and everything, but a lot of them totally transformed their business overnight. And you're talking low margins, right? Restaurants have very, very low margins, but they put in outdoor seating and they uh, put in delivery and they did takeout and they, you know, they literally overnight had to rejigger their entire business. And so restaurants are probably the extreme but we're seeing it across the spectrum that every company had to kind of relook uh, at how they were servicing customers and how behaviors are changing. And so you're seeing it. I, I mean, the, the great thing is like B2B e-commerce wasn't a big deal before. Most companies went to conferences and you shook hands and you signed contracts and everything else. Well, now you're seeing even B2B businesses turn to e-commerce systems for contract negotiations and closing and, uh, and, you know, web conferencing, of course, for sales calls and automation and all of those pieces. And so I, I, I look at it and I just go, I think we just accelerated where we needed to be anyways. And so it's an exciting time in digital transformation to be in this business just because um, we're just seeing companies absolutely say, look, if we're going to survive, we have to adopt and adapt these new practices. And that's something that we didn't really see before, right? When we were talking to businesses, it was, well, you know, we're doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, well, now they're not doing fine, you know, and so a lot of businesses are dropping and a lot of businesses are succeeding. And so it's it's going to be interesting how it plays out, I think, in the next few years. I think you describe. I mean, holy crap, Doug! <laughs> I know that was a lot. I had a, I had, no, I had a lot of coffee good. this morning. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of starting out too. But no, it was it it, it makes a lot of sense, and I, I love the word rejigger. So yeah. I might have to steal that. <laughs> um, but the B two B e commerce thing, what you've kind of just mentioned with that, I mean, everything kind of trickled down, and and you kind of mentioned how your clients have responded when you yourself have internally kind of changed the structure yeah. on things. But the, when you talked about the B2 e-commerce, especially just not realizing that it is B2B e-commerce, where it is the contract negotiations, conference calls, all that kind of stuff where we have to we have to do things on like like the live event space has basically been gone. Right. Um, well, and, and we told people and, before we we told them, I think it was uh, uh, it was I believe it was Forrester or Gardner, you know, had a stat before that, you know, 57 percent, I think, of the business decisions were um made without ever contacting a company. And so that was people going to your website, downloading things, talking to their friends, you know, basically the entire decision-making process was kind of, you know, 57% of it was offline without talking to a salesperson. Well, now 
that's leapt forward. I would be fascinated. It would be great to see what the what they believe that percentage to be now. But now it's I don't even want to talk to a salesperson. If I have to talk to a salesperson, I almost don't want to use the service, even if it's an expensive service. Um, you know, and ultimately with a lot of software as a sales and and uh, value based pricing, you ultimately have to talk to a salesperson to negotiate and everything else. Um, but a lot of people just don't want to anymore. And so it's forcing companies to basically be a little bit more transparent and to have these systems online, you know, that, that can automate and push a person through that conversion funnel. Yeah. And I, and I have to agree with you on that one. Like if you don't want to talk to somebody because you always get that uh, almost like carpet bag sure. or used car salesman stereotype. But I've just kind of noticed even with companies, just a lot of companies that are actually positioning and hiring people and they're training them to be more human rather than they're being more purpose driven. Uh, I love, driven I love that you're saying that because you're dead on in that's if you have someone that's trying to sell, they're probably failing right now. But if you have someone that's trying to provide value to the person across, you know, the, the conference, you know, and they, and they feel like you're trying to help their business and you're, and you, and you're literally providing value. You're in a consultative kind of relationship with them, educating them and helping them make decisions and helping them buy systems and integrate them and everything else. Yeah. You're, you're, yes. you're dead on. It's Instead of robots, us I think that's kind of the thing is, thing. um, what's only about <laughs> reading driven by Daniel Pink is that, yeah. We're in motivation too, where it's still like rewards, you know, give and take kind of system. And that's not how people operate. That's not the intrinsic. It's the value of the work that we're doing. It's like when you see like a great right. handcrafted piece of furniture and they, the person had the autonomy, had the mastery, everything that they could do just to, to build that. And then they sell that and people love it. And I think the only give and take out of that would be is that right. the customer says, hey, have you considered this? So listening to your customer and going back with that, I think is the extra kind of motivation to get you to that other scalability and that better, that next tier. But everything else was just kind of like, oh, we need to hit Q4 profits. And I'm like, no, like I actually wrote an art, like little thing on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, where if you don't see, if a company doesn't show their profitability, if they're not a public, if they're a publicly traded company and you don't see profitability, all that money is going to shareholders and the C-suite. And they're not putting money back into the, the, into the employees that essentially grow the business and build that community. And I mean, you see that, you know, time and time again. Um, I mean, there's, there's businesses out there that built around communities and that's where they want to be. And then you've got the Ubers like uh, Google and Amazon. And I mean, they, and, and, and Microsoft <laughs> and Facebook that have built hubs and communities. But the thing is, is that they, they build those communities, you know, in those different right. areas. They started out one way and they're like, they grew so massively that they're like, okay, let's figure out what's our second headquarters <laughs> going to be or Salesforce yeah. too. But they built a community and essentially it's, you know, it's built consultants. It's built agencies that are Salesforce to help people navigate the software in order to help them. Yeah. And so it's like yeah. a trickle effect and it's, 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 it's well, very interesting. I, I, we see it in the partner community, huge. Uh, in in the Salesforce partner community, there are a lot of partners that are. Um, I I don't I don't want to insult them, but they're they're kind of bolt turners. They they understand how to set up the software, how to make it work, how to do exactly what you want them to do, and they're fantastic at it. Um, but they don't understand what your business process is, what your pain points are, what your, um, you know, you talked about it, your your level of 
you know, um, knowledge internal is your personnel. They, they don't, you know, they don't care whether you have two people on your marketing team or a hundred people on your marketing team. And well, all of those things do matter. And so we see it in the Salesforce partner community where the reason why we've kind of shot up in our success immediately was because we don't just get a quote out to a customer and stick it in their lap and then try to make X dollars per hour, you know, and that's what most of that community has been doing the last few years. The Salesforce partners that are really taking off now are the ones that are partnering with the business leaders and saying, hey, you know what, you've got some broken processes internal and we've got to fix those broken processes and we've got to educate your staff and we've got to get all these things in place. And then the technology, you know, will enable, you know, success. But, but you know, you got to focus on all three things. So, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there that you've got to, I think, I think, look, I'm not going to lie. I've worked for companies that were hardcore sales companies and they did very well. The problem with hardcore sales is that if you set missed expectations, set expectations and miss them, now you have to keep filling that sales bucket over and over and over and you keep churning and churning and churning. Whereas when you actually help someone grow their business, they feel a level of trust and and almost indebted to you. And so you don't have to sit there and keep filling your bucket. And and I think that's where the COVID, I think, hit a lot of companies was, was, you know, companies just said, well, these people really aren't providing value to our business. They're just providing a dollars per hour expense for us. We got to cut them. Whereas everybody that had a you know, kind of that personal relationship and that business relationship with the leaders internal, um, they they actually did better. And I, I think we're, you know, I, I, I don't want to toot our own horn, but that's exactly what we did was the companies came to us and said, look, what what can you guys do to help us through this? And and some for some of them, one of my clients uh, that was that was probably, you know, 80% of my revenue before COVID, I told him the first thing you should do is cut my contract, <laughs> you know, and I, and I explained why and told him where they should reinvest the money instead and, and everything else. And, and so that, that company is still talking to me to this day. And, and when they get back on their feet, I'll be back in there helping them again. Exactly. It's not about the short gains. It's about the long-term success. Yeah. But it's, but yeah. I, I do want to reiterate though, the, Look, you can be high pressure and get short term yeah. gains. There's, you know, I think I think here in Indianapolis, there's, you know, 60,000 businesses. So you can spend the rest of your career churning through businesses and getting a bad name for yourself and still make out okay. I just don't like being in that seat. You know, I don't I don't like I I, I want to build a reputation and have people actually trust me. No. And I, and I and I agree with you. Same here. <laughs> That's why I have converged yeah. coffee is sharing people's stories. Exactly. It's not about me. It's about Converge Coffee. It's about right. the guest. It's about sharing that story and that insight. I, I think we. I. I'm not going to grill you with any more questions. I feel like we we hit <laughs> hit on a lot um, of stuff of just your early, you know, early on and transition, and you know, you know, before COVID with you know DK Numenia with Jen and that kind of stuff. And I know she's uh, she's killing it with her business. Shout out to Jen yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, so more of like a, a kind of an offline background yep. of, you know, that's probably you, that's not on your website with, with different things. I know that you do a lot of things online, but maybe there's probably one or two things that you don't have offline that you notice that, you know, with everything going on here with Corona and COVID and that kind of stuff, um, 
is there something that you're like particularly like, oh, this is a this is a moment of like I helped a client this way or even helped internally of like, oh crap, like we need to like switch our pivot here. Or it could be a success story where it's kind of like, you know, I mean, there's nothing, there's, yeah. a, there's no failure. It's just learning. So if you want to like any story that you have in the back, you know, you're like, yeah, I, I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to talk about that. I keep that. going to over and over again. And it kind of points to that is um, I, I, when I first started DK New Media, I was told over and over again, like, you know, be an SEO consultant and just do SEO and narrow your vision. And these were, I mean, successful people that I had relationships with that were telling me that, you know, have a very, very discreet, narrow focus. And, um, and I fought it from day one. And I think, uh, I think ultimately I was right. And and where I mean by that is that where companies are struggling isn't on one thing. It's how to balance off of it, all of it. And so uh, let's say SEO is one of those things, right? If I have SEO and I have advertising and I have um, email marketing and I have marketing automation and I have all of these pieces, um, all of those consultants are fighting each other and they want more of your pie and they want to get paid more and they want to grow that. And, and, and the problem that business leaders are facing is they don't know who to listen to. And, um, and so what I've always done and what I continue to do is even with, with uh hybrid, I think we're, we're building out two full, websites for different enterprise companies right now. Well, that's not a typical Salesforce, <laughs> you know, partner type type engagement. But because we understand their internal processes so well and their people so well, it, it's going to make building the website so much better. And instead of working with, let's say, they outsource that to another partner or something or, or try to do it internal, um, we can get it done quicker, better, faster, more integrated, everything else. And so I, 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 I always go back to that. I believe that um, you've got to be a you, you have to have some specialties, but being a generalist and understanding the business is absolutely critical. And so that's what I think I'm most proud of with my career is that um, I just got hired, uh, I think, a week ago by a, a lady that owns a healthcare company to help her with an SEO issue. And, and she didn't hire me as an SEO consultant. She hired me as a business consultant that understands SEO. You know, and so I, I think that's the key. And and then I have people under my wing that I know when I run into this problem, I can call that person because they're an expert. You know, if I have someone that needs, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, you do e-commerce advertising. I have someone that I can call for e-commerce advertising, right, Sean? And I have someone that I can call for email template building for responsiveness. And I have someone that, and so, but I have to understand how it all works together and, and stuff. And I think businesses are really suffering right now because technology is moving so fast that they don't, that they're just working on day-to-day business issues internal. And they, they really do need that technology partner that is working across industries, across platforms, across problems to help them kind of navigate and prioritize. And so I know that was a long answer, but I, I think being a generalist has helped me immensely where everybody told me that that was going to be a mistake. No, I, I agree with you. I've, I've heard kind of the same thing. And when I started my company, 
Um, I think we talked about early in the early days. It was kind of like, I, I, under, I understand how to do it. Is that my strength? No, you know, but, right. but I understand, you know, it's kind of like um, if I hired an expert to do it, cause I know that it needs to get done this way. I know how it needs to get, it's like an editor. Like I can't write like Hemingway or someone like that, but I can sure heck edit the crap out of it right. in order to get it to the right person and, and to get it to the right audience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, you're that's the, it. Like that's that copywriting is a perfect example. I know what good copy looks like. I can't write it, but <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but I have great copywriters that do an incredible job. And, and so if, if I need that service, I'll pull that person in and, and connect them. Exactly. So great. Sum, it was a great summation too of being a general, like the, your, your customer or your client wanted to hire a business consultant that understood SEO. Yeah. I think it said it perfectly, or, you know, they hired a business consultant that understood email templates or e-commerce yeah. advertising. And then you just find someone that can right. execute it. I think that's kind of the big thing. So enough about, <laughs> business for a certain sense, but more about Douglas Carr in case if I transcribe this. Um, so what gets you hyped up? Um, and I say yeah. hyped up or high bridge <laughs> um, because high bridge now um, or your work, like what gets you up in the morning and saying, this is, this is my purpose to help these clients in this well, way. I like, mean, every what day is that? It, it literally is. I, I think like everybody else, we love getting, compliments and we love someone saying, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. And, and so for me, what gets me, you know, the, the, maybe I'll take it back a step. In my old days, I don't know if you knew this, I was an electrician. So that's how I actually, it, it really, really back in the day. And I started I with fixing equipment, networking equipment. We didn't have IT groups back then. So then I got into databases and, and integration of machines and everything else. But I always tell people that back in the day, my fulfillment getting up in the morning was that I could fix a piece of equipment or two or three in a night and then go home. And each morning I woke up feeling good that I fixed something yesterday. Well, when I got into marketing, it wasn't that easy. It was that day to day is more of a grind. Like it, it sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a year uh, to get these implementations up and running and everything else. And so the only thing that I can say is that all, all it is, is every day I feel, uh, good that I moved someone a little bit closer, move someone a little bit closer. And, and then now, of course, you know, there is no completion, right? There's, there's never completion in, as far as I'm concerned with marketing, because your competitors are changing, your co consumer behavior is changing, business behavior is changing, government is changing, the, the whole landscape is changing, the you know, the ecosystem internationally is changing. And so we're, our job is never done. And so, uh, so you almost have to get happier with, well, I moved them forward one step. They're better than they were yesterday. And so it's those little wins that I, that I love, you know, it could be yesterday I was talking to a, a, a user experience guy and um, sent him a great article on, it was it was kooky, but I sent him a great article on um, SVG usage in email and which clients honored it and which didn't and stuff. And he was like, "Oh my god, this is a fantastic resource!" and and um and it was just I knew the resource because I had done that research before and and everything. And so it's literally little things like that that just make my day. Is when someone goes, "Thank you, I had that problem. 
you either found a solution or pointed me in the right direction. And those little hits all day, every day, I, I just feel good about. I like that. It's the little wins. It is little wins. It's all little wins because if you're going to say, you know, at the end of the year, we can, of course, look back at a client and say, okay, we increased their return on investment by this much or whatever. But day to day, you know, you know, you're in advertising. So, so advertising can be one of those days that you have a brutal day and, you know, and you can't, and you can't pay attention to that day. You can't let it knock you down. You have to learn from it and, and then modify and grow and so you gotta look at the month yeah. but you got to look at the trends in order to make the pivots ex- to ex- say this needs to fix exactly and and so so I, those are the things that i i love is every day i love those little accolades like hey you killed it on that presentation yeah thanks for that resource oh thanks for fixing that you know i just look for those little things all day that's what motivates me Love it. So what do you do as for a hobby? <laughs> okay, so there's there's probably three things that I I, I absolutely, um, well, one, I spend time with my girlfriend a lot. So that's always a good thing. Um, I think that's a really important thing. Um, she doesn't know anything about tech, which is almost a freedom uh, for me, although I do set up her website and did her e-commerce and everything else so uh but there you but, go. Uh, <laughs> i i do uh, like i have you know uh if you follow me online my dog gambino you know he's he's uh, i think mm-hmm. nine years old now fantastic yep. dog does tons of tricks so i spend time with him go outside and everything else it's freedom um i love bourbon so I I don't classify myself as a bourbon connoisseur, but I love tasting different bourbons and 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 trying to under. Could you also be a sommelier I, a little bit? Could you be a little bit? I don't of a sommelier? think I have that taste. You know, I I I don't I don't have that fine tuned you know taste. I just I just really enjoy a nice bourbon, and then you know I'm always trying different ones to see what the difference is and to try to catch those nuances. And so a bourbon hobbyist, that's that, what you that's are. That's exactly it, a bourbon <laughs> hobbyist. And then, uh, and then lately it's been uh, home automation. My, my house is, you know, I have, uh, I, I you're going to laugh at this, but I was up at 4am this morning hooking up uh, my ring security system to my Apple TV, which is not, they're not compatible actually. And so I had to yeah. set up like a little oh, yeah. mini server in my house and download and install this software called Homebridge and then install packs that made it communicate with Ring and everything else. And so my house is this teeny little house. It's it's I, I like it. It's a cute little house, but I am automating the crap out of it, you know, inside and out. So at, at, at about six o'clock this morning, I could take my Apple TV and flick over and look out my front door, which was really kind of cool. That's awesome. (laughs) And then the last thing um, I usually just ask guests and a wide variety. I've got a wide variety of answers. Uh, What do you do health wise? Because even more so this, I mean, this year, there's a lot of things that has come to the forefront, you know, about especially about, you know, physical and mental health and everything else. So what do you kind of do to kind of help you recharge? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And you, I knew you've known me for years. So you knew that I, I had bariatric surgery a couple of years ago. So I've dropped a couple hundred pounds and, and now I'm at that normal human size that requires, <laughs> you know, I gained some weight during COVID, which is for someone that had bariatric surgery is like the greatest fear. Oh my God, I'm heading back to, you know, where I was. <laughs> and so I, I love kind of three things. I have a, I have a nice big backyard. I had a couple of trees taken down this year. I go out and chop wood all the time. I, I, for some reason, 
there's some, you know, manly testosterone thing about, you know, taking a mall and breaking wood, but it's really good exercise. Um, I love riding my bike. I got a buddy of mine, Adam, and we often go for just 10 mile bike rides and stuff. And, and, uh, I, I feel it's one of those things you feel like an eight year old kid when you jump on a bike, you know, even when you're 52 years old, like I am. Uh, And then I do go, I do go to the gym. So I, not enough. Um, I've been ramping that up lately and everything, but, uh, but that's, I, I, I am of the mindset now, especially later in life that where I used to medicate with food and, and that was a lot of my problem and stuff. And then I got kind of addicted to carbs and sugar. And then that was my intake. And then I had to drink coffee and energy drinks to, you know, kind of get going and stuff. Now it's, it's, I can almost feel it when I haven't exercised that I have to get out for a walk or I have to go, I have a standing desk now. So I have to stand up. Um, I take, you know, I got my AirPods. If I, if I can do a business call and not be on zoom or, you know, a conference call, I get my AirPods in and I go walk down the street. And so my neighbors probably think I'm nuts. Cause I, <laughs> you know, I pace the street, you know, during the day, and you talk to yourself too. <laughs> and I'm talking to myself. Exactly. But, but I think those things, I, I am, the older I get, the more I really truly believe that, um, the reason why we're such a medicated society is because health has dropped so much. And I, I, I think exercise and hard work is underrated significantly. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, health has been a huge thing for me the past few years, just not in the sense of just more well-being. I mean, yeah. healthy, but more well-being, I think, is kind of the big thing. So, But you'd but, be surprised if, you, if you're stressed out, you know, in the day and, um, you know, you go eat pizza um, or you go to the gym and do, you know, 45 minutes on an elliptical. I'm telling you, you will feel so much better when you go home sweaty and tired and your legs sore off of elliptical than you will, you know, going to bed feeling full and crappy, you know, full of carbs. I, I, I just really feel strongly that um, exercise is probably the best medication that we have. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree with you. Yeah. Well, Doug or Douglas, <laughs> thanks for being on this episode, talking about, you know, explaining more about digital transformation, explaining, you know, um, the companies you're involved with and the transitions with that, um, the shout outs that you've made to a few people. Um, it just shows that you are very much ingrained in the community and you try to maximize the community and are more purpose driven than profit driven. And so thanks for sharing about that, sharing about your customers, um, sharing about you. Yeah. I, I think that just kind of says an importance of even just about you of how you operate and how you want to see success in others. So you know, thanks for being on this episode. I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it, Sean. You've been a you've been a good guy. I love how you're helping out um, regional businesses with this. And and uh, you know, it, I we should we should probably disclose too that you did some work for me back in the day that I needed some you know, really precision data work and you did a fantastic job on that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate it. And to all the Converge coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap.